0: back to another week and another new episode of people are wild hello and welcome back to another week and another new episode of people are wild back once again for the new week is me your host kim the friendly neighborhood er nurse with a heart of gold i don't know what i just compared myself to but anyways some announcements corrections and or follow-up thank you so much for your support and listening to this show weekly You guys are the real MVPs. Now, I need to take a moment to just acknowledge those people out there who don't use turn signals when driving. Why do you not like to live with the rest of us in society? I say this after having driven over a thousand miles. What's up, Vanessa Carlton? What are you up to these days? And I've observed in those miles... Just how some people apparently choose not to use their blinkers, like they just don't believe in it, and they don't like to signal lane changes just because they don't believe in it. I don't get it. And maybe you can reach out to me and explain why you like to lead a life filled with such chaos and anarchy, because I am clueless. Utterly clueless, Cher. And I'm not saying this as if it's way harsh, Ty. I'm just really clueless. So with that out of the way, let's get into this week's topic. I somewhat built it up last week, but I truly think that this is perfect for Valentine's Day week, even though I don't understand the hoopla around Valentine's Day. In my opinion, you should show love to the special people in your life constantly, but that's just me, maybe. As such, February 14th, in my home state of Arizona is actually statehood day. It's Arizona's birthday. So ever since high school, I would bake a cake to celebrate statehood day. So I'm suggesting that as maybe a good alternative to Valentine's Day. Celebrate Arizona's birthday wherever you are. I know I will, but I also know I digress. So um, let me just take the time right now to apologize if you hear some barking in the background. As some of you know, if you've listened to the bonus out, go listen to the bonus out. I recently moved for work, so I'm still working on what works for my background soundtrack. Uh, Let me know if Barking is a lovely accompaniment track to this episode. I'm very interested in knowing. So let's get into this week's topic. I've lit my Princess Leia prayer candle, listened to Mariah Carey's Heartbreaker on a loop repeat for the past hour, and I'm ready, if you're ready, to talk about how people are wild. Maya Anderson was having one of the worst days of her life. Her sister, Ruby, was driving her back to her house after a day full of firsts she never really wanted to ever experience. They were returning home after having had to bury her daughter, Carrie, and her grandson, Elijah. Maya had been dreading this day since everything happened last Thursday. Carrie and Elijah had moved in with Maya about five years ago after Maya's husband, Edwin, passed away from cancer. Carrie ended up taking a job to be closer to her mother, after her father had passed away. But Maya saw how hard her daughter worked being a single mother, and basically made Carrie and Elijah stay with her. Maya's home had been filled with happiness and laughter with their addition. And Elijah, or Eli, as everyone who knew him called him, was a bright, handsome 18-year-old high school senior who was getting ready to decide on which college he wanted to attend. See, Eli was gifted, not only intellectually, but athletically, and he had a few Division One universities interested in him for his basketball abilities. But he was hesitant about moving so far away from his family. His mother and his grandmother kept telling him that they would be fine, and it was true. They would be. Carrie was healthy as ever, and Maya might be a grandmother, but she was as active as ever. She would only take tylenol or ibuprofen as needed for minor aches and pains. And she had nothing in her health history. No high blood pressure, no strokes, no lung issues. In fact, she still ran at least three miles every day, as well as going to the gym regularly to lift weights. In fact, the trainers at the local gym called her a little locomotive due to how she kept them working harder alongside her during their workouts. Sometimes Carrie had a bit of a tough time keeping up with her own mother when the two of them would occasionally go to the gym together. Maya was in good health. She kept her mind and her body active constantly, and that was her secret to being in good physical fitness, she said. But her whole world shattered last Thursday with a simple phone call. Last Thursday, Carrie and Eli were getting ready to go to a concert that Eli had wanted to go to. Maya could never keep up with whatever her grandson's musical tastes were, but she would forever remember that Eli had bought tickets for himself and his mother to have their own little night out. Eli had a habit of taking his mom out once a month since he was 14. It was something he started doing at the gentle nudging. Okay, maybe it was more of a shoving from his grandmother. She told him, treat your mother right. You only get just one. And so last Thursday, Eli had bought tickets for the two of them to see one of her favorite new music acts, the Talbot Brothers, live in concert, and it was going to be a great evening for the two of them. They were going to have dinner and then go to the show together, and as they departed and kissed Maya goodbye last Thursday night, Maya would have no idea that it would be the last time she would see the two of them alive. Now George Smith could have been an Olympian. If drinking alcohol was an Olympic sport, he'd represent the USA and easily make it to the podium, possibly even taking gold with his drinking habits. As a result of his lifestyle, he ended up with six DUIs, thousands of dollars in unpaid lawyer fees, interlocking devices galore, a few stints in jail, suspended licenses, and a partridge in an angry orchard tree. He barely had any friends, and he shooed away all of his family in his lonesome existence. He woke up and spent the whole day drinking, walking from one place to the next, panhandling to get enough money to buy enough to support his fix, and in between, going from one bar to the next place. He was kicked out of more establishments than he really remembered. Like, literally, he didn't remember that he was really kicked out of them, so he'd get kicked out again. In his own way, he was channeling his inner Nicolas Cage and starting to leaving Las Vegas himself, especially hard, over the past couple weeks. Now, on this particular Thursday, last Thursday, he was hitting the bottle particularly hard. One of his few friends that he had left had asked George to house sit for him. His friend was a mess, too, so don't even get me started about that whole dynamic. But, in the house sitting, that gave George access to a vehicle and a liquor cabinet. George had pretty much dusted off the entire selection of liquor within a day, and with what little money he had left-slash-stole... He grabbed the keys to his friend's vehicle and headed out to keep his party of one going a little bit longer. On his way home from the liquor store, George was driving with one eye open, trying to use his non-existent sober vision to make sense of the road. He drifted over to the opposite lane's traffic a couple times, but quickly corrected before another vehicle was in danger. But when he drifted over yet again, he ended up reacting too little too late. He collided head-on, going full speed with another vehicle. He quickly tried to flee the scene, but passerbys had stopped to render aid and call for help. And some of them ended up having to chase George down before one guy was actually able to tackle and basically wrestle George to the ground, sitting on him, as they waited for authorities to respond to the scene. See, this is a thing that happens. Alcohol does something very interesting to drunk drivers especially to drunk drivers. And I've seen it happen numerous times, where a driver walks away with few bumps and bruises and maybe some scratches, but the other vehicle they hit, or the people that they hit, are in critical condition fighting for their lives. So maybe you've heard that alcohol relaxes the body, and that's why it seems like drunk drivers seem to get away scot-free, physically, from rather incredible crashes. And there is something to be said to that. It also pisses me the hell off. I could rant about that forever and ever, but for the purposes of this story, George was arrested and charged with driving under the influence, as well as vehicular manslaughter, amongst other things to add to his rap sheet. See, the car that he hit contained a mother and a son who were on their way to a live show after just having had dinner together. They had been killed instantly due to the speed and force that George hit them with. He ended two innocent lives in one single moment and changed Maya's life forever. She got a knock on the door that no one would want to answer. And from that moment on, she went through the motions as her sister Ruby immediately flew into town to stay with her and to see, to keep her, to keep her company in this dire time of need. She was the only family Maya had left now. And as they got back home that night, After the funerals, they talked for a bit before getting ready for bed. It was at this time that Maya was confronted with just how quiet her home had become. As she lay on the bed, sleep evading her for the past four hours since she had gone to bed, she noticed that she was having a weird sensation in her chest. Well, it wasn't that weird. It had been occurring on and off all day. Maya wrote it off as being indigestion, But as she felt it yet again that night, she was beginning to get a bit worried. She walked around, paced maybe a bit, trying to ignore it until a reminder came in the form of a slamming pain that shot up in her chest and into her neck. She wanted to write it off as just being an ache or a pain, but it wouldn't go away. Maya thought at first it was stress. Maybe it was just a bit of an anxiety attack. But when the pain was unrelenting and it just did not stop, she started to think there might be more to this. She also started to think that her sister would never forgive her if Maya had ignored a medical emergency. So Maya decided to seek out some help down the hall. As she walked over to knock on the door to the room Ruby was sleeping in, she noticed her breathing was actually a bit off. She felt winded just walking down the hall, and the pain in her chest seemed to be getting worse. Ruby opened the door, not quite awake, but taking one look at her sister's state, she suddenly was wide awake. Ruby wanted to call 911. She was concerned that Maya might be having a heart attack. But Maya said that it was the, the Maya had said to her that the only way she would go to the hospital is if Ruby drove her. Ruby didn't want to push the issue, so off they went that night to the nearest emergency room. After they parked, Maya was almost to the ER doors when she had a grip onto Ruby's arm. The pain was starting to become unbearable in her chest, and her difficulty breathing was getting progressively worse. Ruby studied Maya, and the two were able to walk into the ER. They were greeted by a friendly ER tech, who proceeded to take Maya's vital signs before quickly taking her to a room where a nurse began to go through what was going on with Maya that night. While the vital signs read that Maya's blood pressure was a little elevated... The nurse reassured her that it's not uncommon to see higher blood pressure from a person who comes into the ER. People usually don't come here because they want to ha- have ha- ooh, people usually don't come here because they're having a great day and wanted to say hi. This is what the nurse had told Maya. What did not really reassure Maya was that she was informed by the nurse that she would probably have to be moving from the triage room to a room in the back pretty quickly. Maya had disclosed to the nurse that her chest pain and discomfort happened rather suddenly that night, and the nurse's face changed from the friendly, welcoming smile, joking, to worried, and it didn't change back. The nurse had rapidly called back to speak with the charge nurse, and luckily, they weren't that busy that night, so a room was ready and available. Maya was rushed back to the room with Ruby in tow, and the sisters were greeted by at least four different people wearing various colored scrubs. I say that because some hospitals actually color code healthcare providers via their scrubs. And if you haven't noticed that before, you might notice that now. It's kind of a fun game to play. Which scrub color does what? But, you know, that's probably going to be released by ABC at some point. Now, Maya was introduced to the ER doctor, Dr. Reese, Two nurses, Sam and Jackie. Yes, Nurse Jackie, but not that kind of Nurse Jackie. Don't get it twisted. We're not all like that. Now, between the lot of them was also an amazing ER tech, Taylor. And with the four of them attending to Miss Maya, they began to carefully bombard her at the same time. So while Maya quickly changed into her hospital gown, the nurses began to attach monitoring equipment to her and Dr. Reese started asking her questions about what brought her into the emergency room that night. It didn't take more than a minute for the nurses to get her hooked up to the computer monitor in her room that would relay her blood pressure, pulse, oxygen saturation, and her heart rhythm all across the department. When this was completed, the nurses who had been on either side of Maya stepped out and then resumed their previous positions on either side of her this time holding the supplies that they had gotten when they stepped out in order to start IVs on her. Now, Taylor, the ER tech, had a machine that was going to take a picture of her heart rhythm from more views than what was given by the monitor she was currently attached to. It's something called an electrocardiogram, or an EKG or an ECG, depending on how you spell it or like to spell it. And it was being done because Dr. Reese needed to see if Maya was having a heart attack sam and jackie were going to start two ivs in order to not only get blood for labs but also to have a way of getting medicine to maya should she need it and sometimes some of the medicines don't quite play nice with other medicines so more than one iv was needed now time was of the essence and this is what dr reese gently but firmly told maya when she asked if it really was necessary for all these tests and all this fuss to be done when she thought she was having a panic attack ruby told her older sister to just let them do what they were doing it's better to be safe than sorry after all and maya couldn't help but agree plus maya hated to admit it but she was scared that something was wrong she had no history of heart disease or blood pressure issues or anything really but she was starting to get nervous something else was going on. She was told not to move or talk for a couple seconds in order to take the best picture of her heart on the EKG. Dr. Reese stopped answering her questions though rather abruptly when Taylor gave him a copy of what had printed from the EKG machine. He apologized quickly for being rude before he told her what the results were saying. Miss Anderson, This EKG leads me to believe that you're having a heart attack. I'm going to call cardiology and they'll get here very soon so that they can take you to have a procedure done in order to open up the vessels in your heart that are blocked and causing this heart attack. Now, Ruby gave her sister a look. You guys all know that look. The good old, I told you so look without really saying it. Except Ruby also complimented that look by saying I told you so to her sister because it's her sister. And of course she's going to say that, especially when she was right about her having a heart attack. And actually, this caused Maya to smile for a second. And she rolled her eyes. Dr. Reese himself couldn't help but crack a smile, as well as a little bit of everybody in the room at that time. Miss Anderson, Dr. Reese began to say, I'm having a heart attack, Dr. Reese. You can at least call me Maya, is what she said back to Dr. Reese. Fair enough. Maya. There's going to be even more things happening in the next few minutes and probably some more people coming in and out of this room we have to work fast and quickly to help you out hey doc we've got two ivs what meds do you want me to start for her jackie had told dr reese at this point that as sam had previously stepped out to send off some of the blood Sam also had made sure to page and activate the hospital's cardiology team, which would begin to set up things for the procedure that Maya was going to need. She then came back with the forms to give to Dr. Reese, and Dr. Reese told Jackie some of the medicines to grab, and Jackie was on her way. Dr. Reese held the forms and set them on a clipboard, just as a tall woman wearing scrubs, a white coat, and a warm smile made her way into the room. And she seemed to be holding a slinky as she entered the room. Miss Anderson, my name is Ari Frederickson. I'm the cardiologist on call, and apparently they're going to trust me with figuring out what's going on tonight with your heart. Dr. Frederickson, please just call me Maya, and what are you doing holding a slinky? Oh, this. It's yours. I give my patients a slinky instead of a card for them to remember me by. I also open up those darn vessels that are blocked for them to remember me by. One of them is more memorable than the other, I've been told. But let's get down to it. I need to explain this procedure to both you and your... I'm her sister, Ruby. Nice to meet the both of you. But sorry it's like this, though. Let me go over what will happen, and then we could sign these consent forms for the procedure. And if I time things just right... We should be getting you to the cath lab to get stuff started shortly thereafter now just to back up cath lab is where cardiologists perform many different procedures regarding the heart angiograms balloon procedures and specialized imaging just to name a few and dr frederickson was one of the younger cardiologists in the hospital but she had a great rapport with all of her patients it always helped that she was damn good at what she did and when she got the page not too long ago, she had already been in the hospital that night seeing another patient who had recently undergone a heart bypass. The team that was needed to set up the cath lab for the procedure was showing up to the hospital and getting things ready as Dr. Fredrickson grabbed her trademark slinky from her office before heading down to the ER to see her patient. Looking at the EKG for Maya, it was clear that she was having a heart attack, Well, at least something was having this uh, impact on her heart to register on the EKG, but it seemed to be a heart attack. Now, what Ari was doing to, what Ari was going to do, was to perform a procedure that would take a look inside the arteries of the heart. That's the coronary arteries. And that would see where the blockages that were causing this heart attack and this heart injury were actually located at. Maya would be sedated for this procedure, as, Kari, or as Ari and the cardiology team would figure out things, for, th- figure things out that were going on in Maya's heart. Now, Maya and Ruby felt confidence and reassurance from Dr. Fredrickson, and as Dr. Fredrickson told them what she would be doing, it was easy to sign the consents afterwards for the procedures. Dr. Fredrickson gave the sisters a reassuring smile, and of course, the slinky, before leaving to get prepared to do the procedure. Sam and Taylor transported Maya to the cath lab, while Jackie showed Ruby the family waiting area. Before being separated, Ruby gave Maya a big hug and a kiss and told her that she would be fine and that she loved her. Sam gave report to the cath lab team as Maya was able to scoot from the stretcher to the table in the cath lab. Sam and Taylor wished her good luck before they left the room, and Dr. Fredrickson appeared and appeared shortly thereafter, along with the rest of the team. Maya knew that she was in the best of hands as they started the procedure. After sedation had worn off, and Maya was awake, Dr. Fredrickson saw her immediately. Apparently, she had told the staff to page her as soon as possible when Maya was coming around a little bit more. She needed to talk to Maya and let her know just what had happened in the cath lab. Now, when Ari walked into Maya's room, she wore the same warm smile that she had on their initial meeting in the ER earlier that night. Ruby was at the bedside, and the two sisters looked up with some nervous energy behind their eyes. Maya, Ruby, so good to see you here as well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Doc bit foggy from the medicine, but I can't complain. I'm glad to hear that. But I'm not going to be coy with about what happened when I got in to see your heart and the arteries. You didn't have any blockages or obstructions or any synonym of the word. In fact, it seems like, well, actually, I know, you didn't have a heart attack at all. The sisters looked at each other, with that sort of sitcom level of confusion written on their face, before looking back at Dr. Fredrickson. Wait a second, what? Maya asked. I know, it doesn't make sense. It looked like a duck, quacked like a duck, but turned out to be an otter holding a duck collar, Dr. Fredrickson said, hoping that maybe a lighthearted tone might help, but the sisters weren't really picking up on it, as Maya shook her head in disbelief. This doesn't make sense. What happened to my heart? Actually, more importantly, is she still in your care, Dr. Fredrickson? And can we still keep the slinky? Ruby actually interjected quickly, and that kind of caught Maya off guard. But it gave her a chance to give pause and give a little bit of levity as all of them laughed for a second in the room. Absolutely, you are still one of my patients, and you can definitely keep the slinky, and I know, it's not what you want me to say, but in a way, isn't it? No heart attacks are good. So what actually happened to you is called Takasubo cardiomyopathy. Use that in a Scrabble game or Words with Friends. I Trust me, you will win the game, no doubt. Okay, so what happened to Maya Anderson and what the hell is Takasubo cardiomyopathy? Okay, so we'll take it back a little bit. You remember how in Star Wars Episode 3, when, spoiler alert, I guess? I don't know, Padme dies after giving birth to Luke and Leia, and the droid says she dies because of a broken heart. Well, technically, that's sort of halfway a real thing that happens. Takasubo cardiomyopathy is also known as broken heart syndrome. And that's the perfect topic to discuss when it's Valentine's Day week, right? For this twisted ER nurse, it is. So Takasubo cardiomyopathy was first reported in Japan in about 1990, not too long ago. And the word Takasubo actually means octopus pot in Japanese. So they call it this because the left ventricle of the heart, your heart has four chambers. So one of the chambers, the left ventricle, changes into a similar shape as the pot, developing a narrow narrow neck and a round bottom. It's not a soggy bottom, because Mary Berry would never appreciate that. Now, the condition can develop at any age and typically affects more women than men. And when it does happen, it overwhelmingly does impact women, but usually in the age range of 58 to 75. Now, our girl, Maya, was 64. And the reason that the reason it happens to women more, and especially uh, middle-aged to older women, is because there is a dropping level of the heart-protecting estrogen at this age. So that makes women more susceptible to developing this syndrome. But if you are over the age of 58 and you are a woman, don't panic there is good news. This condition is temporary and reversible. But what causes it? Why is it called a broken heart syndrome? So let's dig a little bit deeper. The trigger behind broken heart syndrome is... (sighs) is an emotional trigger, Trigger, I guess is the best way of saying it. So there are a variety of emotional triggers and events that can occur in people who are otherwise healthy and cause them to have these heart attack symptoms. Now, triggers could be the death of a loved one, like in Maya's case, divorce, uh, losing a home, losing a job, things to that effect. But it can also go on the opposite end of the spectrum. Shockingly good news such as winning the lottery, the birth of a child, getting a puppy. This can cause somebody to end up with broken heart syndrome. So how does it happen from an actual bodily physiological standpoint? What is happening in the heart? The heart muscle suddenly weakens and doesn't squeeze the way it should. The heart temporarily will then stop pumping effectively which can result in low blood pressure and even congestive heart failure. So while broken heart syndrome looks a lot like a heart attack initially, there are some key differences. The main symptoms of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, which is broken heart syndrome, are chest pain, breathlessness, or collapsing, similar to that experienced in a heart attack. In some cases, people might also suffer from palpitations, nausea, and vomiting. Now, it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. If you experience any of these symptoms or see these symptoms or signs in other people and suspect they might be having a heart attack, call immediately for medical assistance. 911 999, whatever the number is, wherever you are, call it. You don't ever want to second guess if you should call for help or not when it comes to signs and symptoms of a heart attack. Now, in the average heart attack, which is such a weird phrase to say, the average heart attack, but in a quote-unquote typical heart attack, a clot in a major coronary artery blocks the blood flow to the heart. This will permanently kill some of the muscle. But with broken heart syndrome... The major arteries remain clear. Remember, Dr. Fredrickson went in there and saw that everything looked fine. There were no blockages in Maya's heart. But tiny vessels surrounding the heart are damaged, and it's due to that emotional trigger and a bit of a stress response. Now, it is rarely fatal. The only times that I saw in my research where it could lead to a fatality is when people do actually have some underlying health issues or there's something else going on. So there's usually something else in play if a person dies uh, from somewhat of the related Takasubo condition. But the problem for most people is reversible and can be fixed quickly if properly treated. Now, treatments can include taking an aspirin every day or even prescribed medication that will help to reduce the risk of developing blood clots, reducing the workload for the heart, and controlling any blood pressure issues that might be observed. Now, broken heart syndrome is somewhat common. Uh, As many as 2% of the people who are hospitalized with heart attack symptoms actually have this Takasubo cardiomyopathy. And given that in the U.S., 735,000 Americans have a heart attack each year, if you think about 2% of that, that's not an insignificant number. Now, if you're wondering, what happened to Maya? She was actually discharged from the hospital after two days and is now in good health, taking her heart medication for maintenance and following up with one of the greatest cardiologists ever, Dr. Ari Fredrickson. Now, while it might be somewhat common in terms of people hospitalized with a heart attack symptoms to actually have Takasubo from a personal aspect and a personal standpoint, working in the ER over the past years and as of this recording, I've only seen it happen twice with a diagnosed case of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. So it's interesting. uh, If you actually go online, there's these really neat videos that describe what's happening and they'll show the images and you can see like the actual octopus pot that they talk about and it's illustrated. It's hard for me to illustrate it with my words Um, but I would highly, highly suggest seeing those videos and I'll try and maybe find some and I'll put them in the show notes. If you're that lazy and don't want to do it yourself, I work for you for this show. I work for the people. Um, so it's really cool, um, in terms of how the stress response works on the body. If you think about it, people say like stress will kill you. The stress will definitely change even your heart it can mimic a heart attack and um, Maya is a fictionalized version of some of the things that I've read and personal experiences. Like I said, I've seen two patients that have had Takasubo. So again, it's a amalgamation of a few different things that I've read and also experienced personally. When you see a person come in with Takasubo, you're not thinking in your head, oh, this person has broken heart syndrome. You're thinking this person has a heart attack. And yeah, you can get into their history a little bit later. Um, Maybe, you know, somebody's family member did die unexpectedly, or maybe they lost their house, or they got flooded out, or something to that effect. But you don't, necessarily think on the forefront that, oh, it's definitely Takasubo. That's something that can only be diagnosed when the cardiologist is performing the procedure in a cath lab. You can't really see it outside of that time. So that's why it kind of comes as a surprise and it gets people, at least for providers, it gets us a little bit excited because we don't see it a lot in the ER um, on cardiology specific units or cardi- in heart hospitals. It's probably more common But for people coming in through the front doors into the ER, it's not that common. At least I I will have to say from my personal experience and just some physicians that I've talked to, they also haven't seen it too often in the ER being ER docs. So that's why I was like, you know what? It'd be perfect for Valentine's Day to talk about broken heart syndrome and how it's actually a bit of a real thing. Um, Not necessarily from Star Wars where she literally died of one. There's probably a lot of other stuff going on, but dying from a broken heart isn't necessarily true, but you can have heart attack symptoms from a broken heart, from an emotional event, from being triggered by some, you know, great trauma of some sort, good or bad, and it's something that actually does happen. So talk a CBO cardiomyopathy, make that your phrase of the week try and interject it through casual conversation and then report back to me now keeping up with the theme of this being valentine's day week this version of you got what stuck where is choosing to honor this made up and pointless holiday yes i said what i said and i know what i said but in the spirit of love let's roll with it four clues and then you tweet to me uh, at people are wild with your best guess as to what got stuck where, and like I said a few episodes back, the where is part of the clues because sometimes I just cannot come up with more than three clues. So I just decided to make one of the clues be one of the um, where they actually got the foreign object stuck. So let's do this. Clue one: This happened in Wisconsin last summer. Clue two: This gentleman, who it had it happen to him. Calmly drove himself to the ER and walked in with no assistance and when he was later interviewed because he did survive He said that he didn't really feel like he wanted to bother anybody, which is why he didn't call an ambulance now clue three He happened to be working on a home remodeling project when the accident in question happened resulting in the What getting stuck in him and clue four. It got stuck in his heart. So the foreign object got stuck in his heart. So those are your four clues. Summon up your best Bon Jovi impersonation and sing me a cover of what got shot to the heart, even though I am not to blame, by throwing me a tweet at People Are Wild with your best guess for what got stuck where. Uh, Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to this hodgepodge of a podcast. I highly enjoy actually making it. Um, This has been pretty fun. And I've received very lovely and very amazing feedback from a lot of you. So I'm very grateful that you are enjoying this as well. Like I said, this has been a blast to do and I'm having a great time. Uh, Thank you so much for asking about my feelings uh, I hope you guys are getting information from it. I hope that you're talking with your loved ones maybe about something cool that you heard. Uh, we're going to do some more topics maybe in the future that are a little bit uh, less than savory. Not maybe not less than savory. I guess the best way of saying is that it's the topics you don't want to talk about but need to be talked about. So going forward, um definitely going to share more stories about what I've seen in the ER and and what some of my esteemed friends have seen in the ER, because they love to contribute to this as well. But also, I kind of want to take a step back and and talk about things that are very critical to have conversations about, not in the ER. And what I'm talking about is end-of-life issues, uh, advanced directives, that sort of thing. The conversations that are hard to have that need to be conversations people need to talk about. So that'll be a little bit later on down the road next week's episode is again going to deal with the heart and we're actually going to do a little bit about organ donations so um, i will touch on that a little bit next week as well in the er organ donations um, is an interesting process of what happens and it's it's something that I think people don't understand about the hospital's side of things and the ER specifically, our side of things when it comes to organ and tissue donations. So, we'll talk about that next week, along with um, this other topic that kind of coincides with that. Um, so, well, I could just say it to you now. Uh, we'll talk about LVADs, which is essentially the intermediate when somebody's waiting for a new heart and a heart donor. Um, sometimes they get a heart that they can wear, if you will. So we'll talk about that and what goes into a little bit of the ER, um, what we do in the ER with people with LVADs, because they have an interesting device that uh, allows them to be able to walk, talk, and breathe (laughs) and act as their heart while they're waiting for a heart donation. So get excited about that. Per usual, you can always hit me up on social media, Twitter, at PeopleAreWild. Um, And you can always email me, peoplearewildpod at gmail.com. So have a great week ahead. Keep on being amazing and looking out for each other and believing in the good. And once again, consider signing up for a CPR class.